the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. This is Exploring the Word on the road. And uh, I guess we're doing an Alex McFarlane version of Exploring the Word. Where in the world are, are we? Well, we're in Grapevine, Texas. Now, if you don't know where Grapevine, Texas, it's just north of Dallas-Fort Worth, near the airport. And uh, yes, we're at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and we've been here uh, at the convention before. Last time was Nashville of last year, mm -hmm. and it was delayed because of the pandemic, and now it's in June, so it's kind of a different time frame for the NRB. But Alex... It's good to be in Texas. You're always talking about, man, how we love Texas. So here we are. Exactly. And it's good to be with you, and we welcome everybody to another week of Exploring the Word. And, folks, I just wish you could see kind of the smile on everybody's face, because right here is Devin Patrick running all the gear, and Bert, you're here, and Jim Stanley, and Jonathan, and everybody, and it's just good to be here. And I'm thinking about all the times you and I have been at NRB, and, and folks, do pray. This is kind of an annual gathering of Christian communicators and broadcasters, and um, I'm praying for revival to come. But I think about people you and I have got to sit down and interview over the years we've been at NRB. I remember one time you and I interviewed Johnny Erickson uh, and Ken Ham, and before he passed away quite a number of years back, R.C. Sproul. But um, what memories do you have when, when we gear up to do the NRB each year, Well, I, I do remember those people we interviewed, but I remember the camaraderie, I, mm. you know, the desire. I, I also have the Exploring Missions program, mm -hmm. and when I go to the convention floor and I look to see all the different people who are there that's trying to reach America, but also it's called National Religious Broadcasters, it's really international. Very much I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, I, Norway. Uh, Iran, Mexico, all of these people, those are the ones I met. Uh, they're not necessarily names that we would recognize, but they're people that God's called out to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Amen. Uh, that's exciting. And that's what really NRB is all about is the gospel Amen. and helping people organize and have the, the ministry, ha have the facilities and the equipment to do a better job. And so that excites me, and it excites me about people we meet here. We're going to meet a new one this time, aren't exactly. we? Exactly. When you talk about reaching the world with the gospel, somebody God is using to do that and to contribute to the Great Commission is Alan Jackson. He is the senior pastor of the World Outreach Church located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, a place that's special in my heart, but uh, they've got work all over the world, and he's been the, the senior pastor since 1989, and under his leadership, the church has grown to a congregation of over 15,000 people through their outreach, and there's a lot I could say about Alan Jackson. Uh, he studied at Oral Roberts and Vanderbilt and Gordon-Conwell. He's a, a scholar and a shepherd, and he's right here with us, and I want to say, Pastor Jackson, Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you, Alex. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm not sure I can live up to that introduction, but I grew up in the barns in Tennessee. I'm more comfortable with that. <laughs> well, God bless you. And uh, how does one pastor 
15,000 people. <laughs> With lots of help. <laughs> yeah, amen. And lots of prayer. I you would know. How, how we think of church has changed so much since I started in the ministry years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, technology has changed so much of that and how our world interacts. And so it's not me alone, I assure you that. No. Sure. But the part that doesn't change, feed my sheep. Absolutely. You know, uh, I hear people talk about pastoring, and they say, well, he's not much of a preacher, but he is there. That's good. But I, you don't have to be much, but just staying in the Word and delivering the Word with whatever God's given you, I mean, we're, that's what we're to do. And some people have a greater voice than others. I, I mean, I always dreamed of having Dr. Adrian Rogers' voice. But guess what? It was a dream, not a reality. <laughs> but, you know, some people are able to do that. But if you're pastoring, whether it's 15,000 or fifteen. It's still a call from God, isn't it, Alan? Absolutely. And if you lose sight of that, you'll lose your heart and your passion and your enthusiasm. There were 29 people when I started in a rented room. And so I've been a part of a church just about every size. Mm-hmm. And I think my takeaway is if you'll grow good grass, hungry sheep will find the grass. <laughs> and that's a great statement. And you don't really have to worry about the size of what you just, if you'll be faithful in the place where you are, um, God will add to that. And so I want to be found trustworthy at every step. Uh, before we go much farther, give the church's website. Then I, I've got a question I want to ask you. But World Outreach Church of Tennessee, where may people find you on the web? Well, the, the church's website is wochurch.org. Or if you just Google Pastor Alan Jackson, it'll take you to the, the websites. It'll, they'll, they're all linked together. You'll find your way through. Alex, before the question, it's also heard on AFR. Uh, well, yeah, amen. Yeah. 11 Praise o'clock God. to 11.30 p.m., Monday through Friday. Wonderful. And uh, so we're excited about that. Again, 11 o'clock. That's Central Time. Yes, sir. And uh, 11 o'clock to 11.30, Monday through Friday. Wonderful. And uh, ooh, praise the Lord. AFR has got great programming. Alan Jackson's one of those. Praise the Lord. Uh, so before the show, we were talking about Matthew 24, and I'm sure we'll allude to that scripture, Matthew 24. But here's a question. How is the world different from when you first began the ministry? Oh, uh, it, yeah, this he, is only an hour <laughs> program, Alex. Well, so. let, let me, ref- if you'll allow me to reframe that. How's the world different than the last time NRB met together? It was February of 2020. Yeah, and and COVID was just barely on the radar screens. We were not aware of its impact. You know, at that time, our nation was energy independent and a net exporter. The Middle East was stable. I mean, our world was so different. If you think what's happened in the 15 to 18 month intervention since we've been together, we're in a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Churches have been shuttered. You know, we've gone months and months without the people of God being together. I live in Nashville, which is kind of the epicenter for much of Christian music. And we started having church together outside last May. We put a stage outside, thought we'd be there for two weeks. It's been there until this last week. And none of the artists were working, so we would invite them to come out on Saturday night. We'd have church and then have a little music festival. And, I mean, all the, the artists you can think of have, been, have walked through, but nobody was working. All those concerts, all those voices that have spoken into the heart of our nation were silenced for months and months. I mean, we don't have to go back the 40 years until I began. I was a child with training wheels on. Mm-hmm. But what's happened in the last 15 months is just about beyond our ability to get our arms around. The world has changed. It, it really has. And, you know, at NRB, I mean— People are here like Tony Perkins, Tony Evans, you know, expositors of the word, David Jeremiah, and also cultural voices, uh, people like Janet Parshall and people like that. Well, when we met in Nashville, and I recall, you know, February of 2020, 
uh, we had begun to hear this word COVID in the news a little bit. I bet if you would ask all those attendees in the previous convention that we had uh, who was going to win the presidential election, <laughs> out, of, out of several thousand attendees, you probably couldn't have found more than a dozen that would have even entertained the idea that Trump might have lost, you know. And it is a different world. I was just talking to some attorneys about judicial appointments that are going on right now. We're talking about just morals. We're talking about the laws, religious freedom. Um, guys, we, we need the Lord's help, don't we? We need a revival if our nation is to stay a free nation where we can serve Christ and share the gospel. We absolutely need a revival, but I think we've got to— um, from my vantage point, we've got to have a change in perspective. The world is changing more rapidly than we've ever seen it change before. And the language that we use around revival doesn't feel to me to see, have the urgency for what we need right now. You know, again, if we go back to February of 2020, the attitude in our nation was so different regarding family and family systems and the laws around family and family systems and gender. And now we're in, we're in this place where we are today and I think we've got to have the imagination that the kingdom of God will move at a pace that exceeds the kingdom of darkness. You know, we started having outdoor services. We put up a swimming pool outside. We had people wanting to be baptized, and our processes couldn't hold up to the number of people that were presenting. They were driving from states away, from Pennsylvania. I'm in the Nashville area, from Pennsylvania and New Mexico and Ohio, saying, we want to be baptized. We heard it on the radio, or we heard it someplace. And I think we've got to reframe in our imagination. It's harvest time. You know, I grew up in rural Tennessee, and when it's harvest time, you stop everything else. You know, if you're in school, you may skip school until you get the harvest in. All hands on deck, whatever it takes, all your energy focused. And I think for us to talk about revival, one is to take our eyes off the darkness. The problems we face is not the depravity of the wicked. It's the indifference of the faithful. We've been ambivalent. And I think God is waking us up to this new season. And with that's coming an urgency. I think we'll see God move in a magnitude and at a pace of change that exceeds anything we've seen for a long time. You know, every time I look at someone in the Bible that came to Jesus, there was some desperation. Hmm. Okay. Has the church come desperate, not meeting for those weeks, uh, not congregating together, wondering what would happen? You know, some desperation uh, I, I see that the woman with the issue of blood, the four men letting the man down from the roof so he could be healed. Desperation. On our part, listen, God is not changed. God is ready. Do the Bible says in Ephesians, there's nothing new on the earth. What do we think? I mean, it's just amplified is the word, you know, evil amplified because of number of people's one reason. And also the way to get it out. You know, we've developed new ways of doing those old things, you know. And so there's some desperation on it. Have we become that way? People that would drive from Pennsylvania down to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in order to be baptized, I, that sounds a little bit of desperation now, Alan. Amen. I'm a, I'm a, Amen. You catch what I'm saying? That sounds like a lot of desperation. It does to me, too. I, I believe they've honest. got some water up in Pennsylvania. They could have done that. <laughs> I'm confident they drove past thousands of churches where they could have been adequately baptized. But I think God is stirring the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. And that is exciting to me. It's hopeful to me. It is. And yeah. I think that's part of what is changing within us. Uh, we, we've got to be more than exegetically correct. 
and homiletically sound and hermeneutically informed. You know, we, we can check all those boxes and still be ineffective and inefficient. Being aware of the season is something that Jesus chastised his audience about. He said, you're better at being aware of the weather patterns than you are of spiritual patterns. Mm-hmm. And in Luke, when he's descending the Mount of Olives on the, the day of his triumphal entry, he begins to weep. He said, if you'd only recognize the time of God's coming to you, but you didn't recognize it, and now they're going to dash the the heads of your babies against the stones of the city. And I think God, we've changed seasons from where we were 18 months ago. It's a different time and place. It it really is. You know, I've often pondered those words. And by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Alex and Bert and the team, we're in Texas for the National Religious Broadcasters Convention and just having a great conversation with Pastor Alan Jackson of the World Outreach Church there in Middle Tennessee. And, uh, you know, the, the phrase that you just mentioned, the time of your visitation, uh, there is in the life of people, even in the life of nations, a time where God comes by. And, you know, I think about when people are under conviction and they're thinking about salvation. And there may be even somebody listening right now, and you're all this talk about the Lord and revival and whatnot. Your assignment this day might be to see that you're saved and call on the name of Jesus and make sure that the Spirit of God is visiting you right now and making you think about whether or not you really know Christ. And we want to encourage you to make sure of that. But I want to read uh, from Matthew 24 in just a moment. But in terms of visitation, is this a time that our nation has an opportunity, if we will, to turn to Christ? I hear that music. Yeah, that means time is running out. We're going to be back. But we're going to let Alan answer that question. I think we might have something to say, but God has a lot to say, and we want to hear him. This is Exploring the Word. We praise the Lord for what you're doing, but let God have his way. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Vice President Kamala Harris. As Vice President, she serves at the pleasure of the President, is first in the presidential line of succession, and is also President of the United States Senate. Matthew 23:11 reminds us of the importance of serving others. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for your guidance for Vice President Kamala Harris as she serves the president and our country. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Anybody who's ever received a gift in the mail knows that even though the post office delivered it, somebody else sent it. But Dr. Tony Evans says we seem to forget how that works when the gift comes from God. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The grocery store is not your source. It is merely a distribution channel so you can pick up something that has come from another source. Every piece of fruit, every piece of vegetable that you get at the grocery store is only because it was farmed. And it could only be farmed because there was seed. But seed could only grow because it was planted. It could only be planted because there was soil. But it could only grow because there was sun and rain. 
No sun, no rain, no seed, no soil, no fruits, no vegetables. God doesn't want you getting excited about a channel where you can go buy it and not the source that gave it to you in the first place so you could go get it. He says, I want to be recognized as your source, but I don't just want to hear it from your lips. I want to see it with your life. That is the recognition that I am your provider. That's why even in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, it says, when you come to worship God on the first day of the week, you are to bring your offering. Why? Because it was tied to whether you were worshiping God or not. So the tithe or the first fruits was the way that you let God know you knew he was your source. For an in-depth, practical look at what it really means to put the Lord first, ask for details on Tony's teaching series, Restoring God to His Rightful Place, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. I wait a little longer to interrupt that intro music. It's just got to be complete. Got to get to the resurrection and then the promise of his coming back again. I, I do love some of the music that we bring our programs in. We call it bumper music, but it's better than a bumper. It is gospel. So this is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. We're in Grapevine, Texas, north of Dallas, Fort Worth area, huge area. And uh, I got into Dallas an hour and took me an hour to go through half of it to get here. Yeah. But uh, it's it's just a great place. We have so many great listeners in the Texas. We do. That, yeah, we, we really do. do. And we praise God for those everywhere. But we've got some good listeners up in Tennessee as well. We do. Matter of fact, the second station that AFR had when we became a network was Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah. So that was a real – the hundredth one was Holland Wall Tech. Uh, Tennessee hole in wall eight not hole in a wall but hole in wall h o h o h e n was the one hundredth was one station yeah so Tennessee has some good marks for us the reason I bring up Tennessee is our guest today yeah Dr Allen Jackson and from the central part Nashville Murfreesboro mm-hmm. and there's a lot of us that love and know Murfreesboro as well there's they we've been connected with people from Murfreesboro. Do you ever hear of the John R. Rice, Sword of the Lord? Absolutely. Okay, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Bill Rice, his brother, had a camp there. And our our oldest son went to that camp years. We won't talk about how many years ago now, Alan. But a great area there in Tennessee. And so we praise the Lord. But it sounds like God is up to something there at your church. He is. Give us a – you've already talked about people coming – 
what other signs do you see besides those people coming that God is up to something? Well, let me digress just a moment. When you spoke of the ranch, my father was a veterinarian, and we took care of all the animals out at the ranch. So really? I've spent a lot of days out there putting people back on horses. And Oh, man. So we've been a part hey, of that story since I was a boy. That's awesome. Amen. You Amen. know, God, God's always had his people. Always. Absolutely. And, uh, we, you know, you're talking about catching, see what God's up to. Uh, that's what we're to do. God's up to something. It's our job to join him. That's it. Not ask him to join us, but us join him. Well, and I think his people are at the center of his attention in the earth. And what I've been watching over the last years, I think COVID exposed us a little bit. When it started and they said, go home and close the doors, we said, yes. And I was in a lot of meetings with political leaders and civic leaders. And, you know, they said, we can't close the liquor stores. They'd break in. And I watched that, that when they began to label essential and non-essential and the Christians and the churches were labeled non-essential, we accepted the labeling. And then I think we began, began to become uncomfortable with that and realized that we had a voice that needed to be expressed, that if we could silence the church, there was a great deficit in the culture. And so we began to look at our hearts and, and realize that we had begun to kneel before things like comfort and convenience more than we had serving our king. And that following the Lord isn't always about our comfort or convenience or our parking place or our preferred seat or our worship style or even the translation I prefer to read, all those things that we'd allowed to become divisions. And I think we've begun to get some alignment again on mission and obedience to what our task is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that isn't a comfortable or a convenient thing. In fact, it can often be quite the opposite of that. And I think there's an awakening taking place within the church. And if that mm -hmm. continues, I think we will see it have an impact on the broader culture. That's my prayer. Hallelujah. Sure. Sure. And, well, and you know, uh, Chuck Colson, who we, we knew uh, very well, Colson used to say that the church is to be the conscience of the culture. And, and we are to meet, and Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We are to worship and gather and corporately worship and serve the Lord. But I think that we are to be that voice of truth and that voice of moral conviction in the culture. And, uh, you know, because the church is the conscience of the culture, I think that's why a lot of people um, would like to see the church silenced and eliminated. But let me read a scripture, and guys, uh, I want to talk about this, and Pastor Allen, I'm just so glad you're here. But um, in Matthew 24, Jesus uh, was at the Mount of Olives, and they're coming down. Uh, verse 3, the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, tell us, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is not yet. It goes on in Matthew 24. It talks about nation rising against nation. Then in verse 9, it says, you, you the believers, Christ is talking to, you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Uh, guys, when I read Matthew 24, a lot of what I see, and we can go by every verse if you guys want to, but it sounds a lot like 2020 and 2021 to me. Are we, um, how likely is it, Pastor Alan Jackson, that we might be near the return of Christ? Mm -hmm. Well, there's an opinion in that. Sure, I so understand. I'll own that on the front end. Yeah. You know, I'm asked frequently, do I think these are the last days? And I think from a biblical perspective, we could certainly argue that we have begun that season. 
But even if I'm wrong by a thousand years, and I could be, they're my last days, and they're yours. And it would be in our best interest to treat this season if this is our only shot to be a part of that harvest, to hide behind a different theological perspective or eschatological perspective to me makes no sense. For, from our vantage point, this is harvest time. Yeah. And I, you know, I think many of those markers that we can read in Matthew 24 I could find. But even I'm, if I'm completely wrong, I've still got the assignment to go after it. Yeah. Because one day I'm gonna, we're going to meet those people in the book that we know about, and they're going to extend a hand to us. And we at least want to have some calluses on the hand we extend. Mm. And so, you know, we've Amen. got to accept this is our watch. This is the part that I, I pray the church will wake up to. This is our watch. Yeah. And if we're watching wickedness and depravity and immorality and perversion escalate, it's not okay with me. We're salt and light. I don't want to rage against the darkness. I want to turn up the light. And the church has, we've got to stop pointing through the windows and saying those people are the problem and humble ourselves and get on our knees and say, God, change my heart so that your purposes in my life can break forth. You mentioned Chuck Colson, mm -hmm. and he's been such an influence in my life. But he also talked about little platoons, yes. these, these little yes. groups of people. And I've been saying to people, you know, if our big buildings are shuttered and they, we can't be together in big groups for health or whatever reason, you have a sphere of influence. And in that sphere of influence, don't let there be anybody that knows you that doesn't understand the preeminence of Jesus in your life. If you're not willing for Jesus to be first and foremost, we need to reevaluate our faith. I'm uncomfortable coaching people towards a profession of faith and a dip in a pool and then telling them to sit down and wait until they hear the trumpet. I, I believe in conversion. I believe in salvation. I'm an advocate for baptism. But I believe we've got to grow up in the kingdom of God and, and yield ourselves as servants of the king. And I'm not certain we have delivered that message with the same intensity that we've delivered the other. You know, the Great Commission says make disciples. It does. And that's, yes, salvation is an experience. It is an event. It is a time in my life where, where I repented. Christ came into my life as I surrendered to him. But it began a walk with him. And we haven't done such a good job with that, you know, the walking with him, walking in the spirit. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? You know, over in uh, the book of Isaiah, that's talking about mounting up with wings as eagles run and not be weary. And then it comes walk and not faint. That's not digressive. That is really going forth. It's, it's high mark. You, it's not that hard to mount up with wings as eagles one time, Alan. You know, mm. it's, it's unrun for a while. But walking in a consistent manner, we, we've not done that the way we should. And, and, and I'm, what, what I'm hearing you say is striking a note with Alex and myself because that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yes, we're trying to get people to come to Christ, but we're also trying to get those people to walk in Christ, fulfill what God's called them to do. And sound like the you know, World Outreach Church and the ministry that you have you're seeing some of that accomplished. You were talking about when you earlier uh, talked earlier about, you know, uh, put the grass out there and they'll come to, mm. to eat. You know, we, we need to preach the Word of God in its love and kindness, not in just the harshness, you know, but because the pastor is to be the prophet priest. Uh, I think we've taught pastors to be the priests that take the people to God. But the prophetic word of God Amen. about this is what God is saying, they should be meshing together in our day. And I think that's, that's something we need to strive for. Yes, I agree. 
you know, I think we've struggled a bit. The culture has said to us we should separate the church and state. And I think the church accepted that assignment. And I think we weakened ourselves. I don't think our objective is to be political activists. I'm not advocating for candidates or parties. But if the church doesn't engage the culture in which we live, I think we've missed our assignment. Mm -hmm. And when I read my Bible, I find that Jesus was very engaged with the culture in which he lived. I mean, I can give you multiple examples. The centurion that came to Jesus in Capernaum, that came and said, his servant is sick, will you go and heal him? And you know the story. He's on his way, and they come and say. But the centurion says, I don't need you to come. You just say the word, and then the message comes that his servant's okay. And, but Jesus, at that point, you know, it was, just, it was just a good healing story. No harm, no foul. But Jesus didn't leave it there. He turns to the crowd and said, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. Well, that centurion is an occupying soldier. He's a humiliation to the citizens of that little fishing village. He's a burden. Their women are mistreated. Their taxes are being exacted. They're being extorted. And Jesus is elevating him. He understands the agitation he's introducing into that little fishing village on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee when he makes that proclamation around that, that centurion. Or when he goes into the Sabbath and heals someone on the Sabbath. Jesus understands he's disrupting their Sabbath rules. He could have healed before the Sabbath. He could have healed after the service in the synagogue. There were many ways. He did it front and center with his adversaries watching, purposely challenging the places where his culture was not aligned with the purposes of God. And I believe the church has an assignment to speak the truth to our culture. And we've become, we've used the separation of church of state as a way of insulating ourselves for a few minutes on Sunday. Let's gather and sing our favorite choruses. Let's review our favorite biblical passages and stay exegetically sound, but let's not integrate what's happening in our world. Mm -hmm. And we have weakened the voice of the church. Again, if God's people will change our hearts, God will move heaven and earth for his purposes in our generation. I believe that. Amen. You know, I want to ask you about the prayer ministry of World Outreach Church because mm -hmm. um, I've got to believe if you have grown from 29 people to 15,000, there's been a lot of intercession that's undergirded all of that. Now, the reason I kind of steer the conversation this way, Pastor, is because we, we hear a lot from churches that are, I don't know, what I would call plateaued or declining and people are concerned, and understandably so. People say, what can I do to jumpstart the outreach of our church? Um, and we can talk about the practicalities of evangelism, but talk about, tell me about the prayer ministry of your church and how churches of any size, and, and this doesn't cost money, but how can churches begin to get some people that bathe the church in intercession, and then they'll begin to see the power of God move? Yeah, that's a very good question and an astute observation. Um, it's, it's been a long time, decades ago, I was going on a medical mission trip to the Amazon, and I was really just going to carry gear. There were doctors and dentists. And, but some of the people in the church said if we were going to make that trip, because we were going to a pretty politically unstable area, that they would get up every morning at 6.30 and gather at church to pray while we were gone. And for more than 20 years, they never missed a day seven days a week, 365 days a year, snowstorms, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day. Praise God. And COVID finally broke that. They gathered on campus every morning, and COVID restrictions at one of those points finally interrupted that, and they, they zoomed their way through that. But their response to COVID was to expand it from an hour a day to four hours a day. So there are people on our campus that are praying for hours every day. You know, when you see ministries that are vibrant, like the one you're a part of or a church, 
the, the part that you see, it's like an iceberg. The part you see above the surface of the water is a tiny portion. The, the real vitality of that institution is something that you don't see. The prayers that are prayed, the faithfulness of the people who come and serve quietly. You know, all those unseen things, the, the pastors that they push to the front of the rooms, we, we're, we're not the people that make that happen. We have essential roles to play, and you may occupy a microphone, but we all understand. You know, John Wooden used to say, the person that puts the ball in the basket has ten hands. Amen. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he was the legendary basketball, basketball coach at UCLA. UCLA. Won yeah. more championships we, we quote than him anyone. frequently. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. With that in mind, you know, we was talking about prayer. You have to have certain gifts pastoring need certain gifts you know teaching a class let me see what kind of gift do you need to be a prayer warrior perseverance <laughs> that's it i mean there are certain positions that god qualifies with his giftedness but in the prayer warrior it is just persistence believing god Alex, I'm glad you asked that because yeah. I, I don't think we uh... – Because part of the reason that I, that I bring that up, I, I care about the church. I, I, I love the church, and it is always such an honor to go speak in a church, and I've been rural, urban, big churches, small churches. Um, pastor, I give God the glory, but in 30 years I've been in about 2,300 di- different churches, and the church is precious. The church is precious. World Magazine a couple of years ago did an article about what they call – the graying of the evangelical world. But the thing, I, the reason I brought about prayer, any church, anywhere, anybody can do that. Friend, you can start a prayer ministry in your church. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you want to talk to Pastor Alan Jackson, I would encourage you to go to their website, which is wochurch.org, World Outreach, and you can um, you know, pick their brain. But any church can start, and I would say should start, a prayer ministry. Now, hang on, folks. You hear that music? Got a little break coming up here. We're going to continue with Alan Jackson after this. Stay tuned. Exploring the Word is back in a moment. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. An atheist group in Kenya is getting a new secretary after the former officer resigned. He found Jesus Christ and is no longer interesting in promoting atheism. I imagine some are shocked while others are happy about his decision. Our Heavenly Father loves all of us. He created us and sustains us. He made a way all of us can have a personal relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Billions have found their Savior. I hope all of us do too. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After initially filing a court document in the Hunter v. U.S. Department of Education case, promising to vigorously defend religious freedom for more than 20 Christian colleges and universities, the very next day, the Biden Department of Justice amended the filing to downplay its willingness to fight for these schools' First Amendment freedoms. After being pressured by advocates for the LGBTQIA plus sociopolitical agenda, the Biden administration backpedaled 
in just one day. The Biden administration represents abject and overt hostility to religious freedom. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. When I was growing up, my best friend's dad told us that when he had joined the Navy, he did what a lot of guys do when they joined the Navy. He got a tattoo. From the moment he got that tattoo, it didn't matter whether he felt good about that tattoo or not. He had it, and he'll always have that tattoo. Well, in a similar way, if you've been saved, it doesn't matter how you feel about your salvation on any particular day, you'll always be saved. In Jesus Christ, God has saved you and your salvation is secure. And when you understand that your salvation is settled, then you can experience God's peace and God's rest. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. If you got pain, he's a pain You know, in Matthew 24 that we were reading from, verse 36, Jesus says, Of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In verse 42 of Matthew 24, the Lord says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, we're talking with Pastor Alan Jackson of the World Outreach Church in Tennessee, and just one of my favorite subjects, the revival of the church. And before we resume our conversation, I want to say how excited I am, Bert. We've talked about it now for a year, but this weekend is The Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina. And I was just talking to him, and it's uh, it's not quite sold out, but pretty close. And they do take walk-ins, but 231 people are going to come. I know a lot of AFR listeners from across the country, and I'll be teaching through the book of Acts, and so we value everyone's prayer. Now, how quick are you going to teach through the book of Acts? How many How many days? Well, uh, it's uh, three days and just about four 90-minute sessions plus a Q&A, but and you, you and I went through the book of Acts in more than a month. So I, was, I'm, I'm interested in how in the world you're going to do this. I know. it's um, <laughs> Come and see, right? Probably going to be uh, you fly the airplane and you land the airplane in a few strategic places. But uh, yeah. you and I spent, I don't know, eight or nine weeks in the book yeah, of Acts. Yeah, we did. We which really we did. just wrapped up yeah. last week. Loved it. But, hey, by the way, we're not taking phone calls this segment. True. We're go- we just felt like we got a guy here. We want to hear him. Amen. And, uh, but I'm excited about you being at the Cove. You you get a double portion. Just being there is a blessing. And Angie's going to be there? Is she going to be with you? Angie when will When you there? drive up on the campus at the Cove, uh, the Spirit of the Lord's presence. You Amen. know, it's kind of like when the children of Israel was there? going there. You know? I've been there to visit. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Billy and Ruth Graham prayer walked those hillsides. 
and you do feel the presence of the you Lord. Do. But I appreciate everybody supporting uh, my travels. Be in prayer, but also for this conference where Alan Jackson, Bert Harper, the AFR team, and I, we're in Texas at NRB, National Religious Broadcasters. And, and you know, I'm praying this will be a Holy Spirit moment and revival will come. And before the break, uh, Alan, we were talking about prayer. Um, any church of any size can have a dynamic prayer ministry, can't they? Absolutely. You know, don't wait for somebody else. You begin. And if the pastor doesn't want to bless you, you just begin. And don't worry about labels. You know, I meet people and they introduce themselves and they say, I'm an intercessor. And my rule of thumb is you have to tell me. I probably think you're not. <laughs> you know, if you need a business I'm, card. I'm so humble. <laughs> well, you know, I, I understand there's times and places where labels are necessary, but... In general, don't worry about the label or the title or the position you're giving. Just start to occupy that space and begin to humbly cry out to the Lord. If you don't know how to pray, if that feels beyond you, open your Bible. Start to take the book of Psalms and read it aloud. If, if you'll do that, you'll find your voice before you finish that book. Mm. If we will begin to use our voice to cry out to the Lord, and we will do it in a dedicated way, take a few minutes every day. Set a timer. Maybe you're going to take 15 minutes a day. Turn off all the devices and the interruptions. If you've got a family full of little people, you may have to lock yourself in the bathroom. But for 15 minutes, take that time and begin to cry out to the Lord. And God will multiply it. He'll give you a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that you worship with at church. Somebody will join you. And before long, you'll find you have a team of people joining you in regular prayer. It'll change the world. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Lanfear changed his world uh, in New York City. Started that prayer time. Lunchtime yeah, prayer meetings, yeah, wasn't it? Just he and one or two, and then it grew and it grew. People would come to New York City, and they would hear about it. They would go and join these business, Christian businessmen. They would take it back, and that was right before the Civil War when a, a great awakening just saturated the northern tier of the United States, and it changed everything. It really did. And uh, I, I really believe because before the Civil War, something significant took place. It was that that enabled the northern, I think, states to have a vibrance in their camps. The same thing happened. Think about before the Revolutionary War, what had taken place? The Great Awakening. And it had saturated. So people getting right with the Lord and praying, I think it sets the stage for God to do something, something big. Well, I think it gives us the moral courage to stand up to the ungodliness in our culture. You're exactly right. That first great awakening gave us the moral courage to stand up to the tyranny of Britain. The revival that preceded the Civil War gave us the moral courage to stand up to the evil of slavery. Amen. The church needs the courage to stand up today. You know, again, I love the church as Alex does. I've spent my life in the church, so I'm not throwing rocks at anyone else. But I think we've had perhaps too much focus on how do we build bridges to the ungodly. And we haven't talked to the faithful about purity and honesty and integrity and holiness and the fear of the Lord. And again, if we will change, God will move heaven and earth. Well, that story, you know, through the book of Judges was that cycle of retribution. The problem wasn't the Philistines or the Midianites or the Canaanites. The Philistines was the covenant. The problem was the covenant people of God. And when their hearts would change, God would bring victories to them. Mm -hmm. If we want to see change, if we care about the children in our culture, we will make the changes in our hearts that will bring the freedom that they need to flourish in the lives that are ahead of them. And you recently did a series, I think, at your church called Battle Plan. Am I right about that? Or you wrote some, some very inspiring things uh, about um, prayers, proclamations. I, I'm reading some of this on your website. Um, tell me of what that is and uh, what, for 
maybe it's you're talking about the nation, families, maybe individuals. Um, are we in a battle? And if so, what is the plan to face that? Well, when COVID started, uh, we realized there was a lack of trustworthy information. People mm -hmm. were uncertain. So we started the battle plan. And I just wrote a series of prayers. Initially, we were praying them every hour on the hour. And so we would write them and distribute them to the people in the church. And in the office, everybody had their alarm sets. Every hour on the hour, you'd hear the, the alarm start going off and people start popping up and praying. And then as, as we've walked through this season, now we post them once a week. And usually there's prayers for the day, morning, noon, and evening. Wow. With a little bit of a commentary on that week and what we see happening and, and where the points of challenge are, maybe the frightening points. Because I think we are in a battle. You know, I, I, one of the things I recognized over these last few months is I just wanted it to be done. You know, the question was, when can we go back to normal? When's COVID going to go away? And I think we built these false finish lines, the election. If we get to the election, everything will get better. And we got to the elections and things were worse. <laughs> That's true. And then we said, well, if we get to the inauguration, things will get better. And things were worse. And I realized when you're in a battle, it's not like a sporting event where, the you know, you, you get to the end of nine innings and the game's over. Or the clock runs out and you're finished or you finish the 18th hole. In a battle, you don't get to stop until there's a victor declared. And we've been in, we're engaged in a spiritual conflict for the heart and soul of our nation. I think the threat that faces us this June is greater than the threat we faced last June. Last June, we understood we had a biological challenge, but we could study it in the laboratory. We could trust science to sort that out. We had lots of trained people working on that. The threats we face today are less visible, but they're more devastating. If the family continues to, be, to yield under the attack that's being directed at it, if men and women and mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and children are exposed to the attack that is being yielded on them without the protection of the word of God and the church using its voice, the place we'll be in a year from today will be far more devastating than where we are this June over last June. So battle works for me. And, you know, July 4th is coming up. I love July 4th. Patrick Henry once gave a speech and he said next to the savior's birthday our most venerated holiday is july 4th the nation's birthday and you know for a long time we heard about the founders building a christian nation and america has been used for two centuries to contribute immeasurably to the great commission i think part of the reason we are in a spiritual battle and part of the reason there have been people and entities frankly, that hated America is because America really was used by God to evangelize nations. Now, um, there, I don't want to get us too much off track, but, but let me say this. We are a nation founded on biblical principles. We've deviated from that. I've had even young ministers say to me things like, um, kind of, you know, sarcastically, well, you know, I'm trying to get people in heaven. I'm not trying to make Americans. I'm trying to make Christians. And, you know, I didn't get one pastor said to me, a younger pastor, he said, I didn't get the memo. I thought we were supposed to serve the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. So uh, any one of us around this table, I, I know, could have some responses to that. Um, how important is it that we help people understand that um, part of our duty as a Christian is to care about our nation, our neighborhood, love, loving our neighbor, helping restore an ethic of patriotism. I mean, that's part of the spiritual battle too, isn't it, Pastor? It is, and that's such an important point. You know, I'm not confused. I understand when we get to heaven, they won't be playing the Star Spangled Banner in the elevators. Mm -hmm. 
I haven't lost my balance. God loves people from every nation, language, tribe. Uh, I understand that completely. But I also know this is where he's planted us. Amen. This is the place he put us. That was his choice, not ours. You know, I, I, he put me in a place where I grew up learning to talk this way. I didn't choose Southern. Hmm. But we have a responsibility to the culture in which we're planted. And I think if we ignore that because it's uncomfortable, and if, I, if I'm really candid with you, I think they choose, we choose to ignore it because it's awkward. It's difficult to speak into our culture. It's easier to do a technically correct Bible study than it is to talk about the implications of the Word of God in 21st century American life. You know, we talk about the compassion. We have an open border. And I had a conversation with somebody last week, and they, they were an advocate for that. They said it was an expression of compassion. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all for compassion. I have compassion for the 3,000 children a day whose lives we terminate, and nobody Amen. says anything. Why would we open the borders to children when we're not willing to protect the children in our own nation? We're a little inconsistent in our messaging, and we're going to have to grapple with this. But it's it's biblically based. The Bible is such a wonderful compass to bring us back. We've referenced Matthew 24 three or four times, and when Jesus, they ask him for the signs of the end of the age, and he starts down the list, and it's an unsettling list, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The word nation in Greek, it's ethnos, from which we get ethnic. So it really isn't so much nation-state, it's ethnic groups. We see that conflict escalating all around us. But at the end of that, the penultimate sign that Jesus gives, it's in verse 14, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. But you've got the context in which the gospel is going to be preached is nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. All this turmoil, all this division, the harvest time isn't going to come with smooth sailing and clear seas. It's going to come in the midst of the turmoil. The church has got to become more determined. We're going to have to become overcomers. The book of Revelation is written to overcomers. The seven churches that are addressed, each one's specific circumstances are acknowledged, and each one is told they're going to have to overcome. And then at the end of the book of Revelation, it says that the the prize goes to the one who overcomes. We're going to have to be overcomers. That presupposes difficulties and challenges. I'm all for blessings. But the reality is God moves in the lives of broken people. Mm. The church is not a hall of fame. The church is far more a hospital, a triage unit. Those of us that gather on the weekends are broken and struggle and are trying to sort it out, and our lives aren't perfect. And while we're doing that, we're advocates for Jesus of Nazareth. So for anyone listening today, if you feel like the, the pain in your life or the challenges of your life have disqualified you, I disagree. I think in the midst of your brokenness, the power of God can be displayed. You're not second class. You haven't been set aside. You matter to God. Don't wait until you get it all figured out to be an advocate for Jesus. Start in the middle of your brokenness and say, these are the lessons I'm learning. And and there's somebody near you who will benefit from that lesson as well. And we will see God move in a powerful way in this season. And, you know, I've got to say this. If you know your Lord and you know you belong to him and you understand that even in the, the severest of storms he has a plan, you can have joy even in the midst of heartbreak. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about being his child. Yeah, but, Alex, we want happiness, you know. Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, God, God offers us something better than does, happiness, and, and that, that's joy. That is the inward part. You remember that scripture in Psalm, this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, sir. You know, the rejoicing is the inward part. The joy, the gladness is the expression outwardly. 
And yeah, we need to express the victory and the joy outwardly. The Bible says they'll see our good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. They're watching. They're watching the church. They're watching mm-hmm. and they're listening. Do these guys really believe what they're saying? I was at a one of my classmates that I graduated high school with. He listens to Exploring the Word, and he asked he asked my wife Jan when we were having a reunion, "Does he really practice what he preaches?" Mm-hmm. Now he said it with a smile and everything, and he was. But listen, they're wondering about that. Do we really have what the world needs? So i got a question. We've only got about two minutes. What does it mean to have my identity in Christ? And to everybody listening, how can they begin to have their identity in Jesus? In two minutes? Yes. Well, I think it, I think it starts by putting Jesus in the first place. To be a Christ follower is not about the church we join or the denomination we support. It's Jesus being Lord of your life. You can believe Jesus of Nazareth lived two, two millennia ago, but that's not personally transformational. When you choose him as Lord of your life, he establishes priorities. If you take that step, then it opens a pathway to finding your identity in Christ. And once Jesus is Lord of your life, you begin to understand his goodness and his grace and his power, how he begins to restore your brokenness. And then you discover the promises in scripture of who we are in Christ. And you find there's no greater label for your life. If you are a hyphenated Christian, if you're a Southern Christian, a male Christian, whatever you're going to put in front of that hyphen, it's idolatry. Jesus is Lord over all of those things. My identity begins with Jesus of Nazareth, and it concludes there. If my life isn't pleasing to him, no matter what I've accomplished or achieved, I failed. You know, if you've heard that and you say, I need more information, there's a number you can call. Triple Eight Need Him. Triple Eight Need Him. There are partners in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Make that call. Let Jesus be Lord of your life. Alex, it's been good. Alan, thank you for being thank with us, so brother. Thank you great. both. And what a joy to have you on, and what a joy to hear what God's doing through the World Outreach Church. Well, Bert, you and I are going to be here uh, every day this week talking to people. Folks, pray for NRB. And, you know, you can listen to this show again and forward the podcast and all of that on AFR.net, AFR.net. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word in the American Family Radio Network. But most of all, tell everyone about Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.